this summer. Your local movie theater will become a tent revival for proclaiming Jesus. And you're invited to be a part of this unique evangelistic campaign. Join with believers nationwide for the Million Souls campaign to bring unsaved family and friends to watch the powerful new movie, The Firing Squad, starring Kevin Sorbo and Cuba Gooding Jr. The Firing Squad tells the incredible true story about prisoners who find faith in the face of execution and transform their prison in the process. As the movie ends, co-star Kevin Sorbo comes on the screen to lead the entire theater in a prayer to commit one's life to Jesus Christ, providing an on-site opportunity to introduce family and friends to the message of Jesus. Go to FiringSquadFilm.com and learn how you can receive free tickets and more to the Firing Squad and participate in this unique theater event. Bring your friends and your family and bring your faith. That's FiringSquadFilm.com to learn more. Big program for you today on the podcast. We have uh, Julie Kelly talking a little bit about uh, some new evidence uh, from January 6th that kind of helps the story for the left unravel just a bit. Also, Alan Dershowitz joins me. What happened yesterday with the judge and Hunter Biden? It's good. He said that it was good for the Constitution and a good thing. I said, maybe, I, I mean, I think there's a chance that maybe, and he said, and don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. We also talked to uh, Greg Stubbe, the congressman from uh, Florida, who is talking about impeachment in the House. Uh, and we told you some rather disturbing things uh, that are happening around the country that people are being silenced, including Jordan Peterson, in a truly... 1984 sort of way all that on today's podcast brought to you by sweat block sweat block is this amazing uh, deodorant antiperspirant uh, it comes in the regular stick that you can use uh, but if you are really sweaty or you're living in a place like texas the fire's a hell right now uh, and you walk outside and you're instantly sweating sweat block wipes are really for you Sweat block wipes, you, you just apply them every few days. For me, it lasts about a week. Uh, you wipe one before you go to bed under each arm. And you get up in the morning, you take a shower, you go to work, and you don't have to reapply anything for a few days. And it is really, really good. Sweat block. Try it now. Sweatblock.com. Use the promo code Beck. Sweatblock.com slash Beck. Promo code Beck. You'll save 20%. You can also get sweat block at Amazon.com. Alan Dershowitz is uh, joining us now, Harvard Law School professor emeritus and the host of The Dersh Show. And don't forget the author of Get Trump. Uh, Alan Dershowitz, how are you, sir? I am doing great. The judge did the right thing yesterday. And guess who predicted it? I predicted over and over again that she would not accept this plea bargain. Of course, CNN said, of course, she has to accept the plea bargain. What are you talking about? It's Dershowitz again. He's saying all kinds of things. Well, you know, CNN always gets it wrong because their predictions are based always on wishful thinking. They wanted the judge mm -hmm. to accept the plea deal, so they said she would. Um, I'm not any smarter than the people on CNN. I just don't allow my preferences to influence my predictions. My predictions are based on my 60 years of experience 
with the law, and I saw deep flaws in this plea bargain. And I said, and I said it over and over again, she wouldn't and she shouldn't accept this plea bargain, and she didn't. How brave of that was her, was this, uh, Alan? Pretty brave. Pretty brave. You know, she gets flack because she was a so-called Trump appointee, but she wasn't a Trump appointee. As you know, the way judges get appointed when you have two senators in the state from a different party, the senators basically make the decision. Now, the president can veto it, but she was essentially appointed by the two Democratic senators and Trump alike. So, you know, she's a young and, and courageous a woman. Both sides wanted this deal to go through. The Justice Department wanted their kind of secret deal. We never saw the plea bargain. We never saw what was entailed. I just smelled a rat, but we didn't see it. And she said, no, 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 wait a minute. Does this plea bargain mean he can't ever be investigated again for other crimes? You know, and we don't know whether the investigation was limited to Delaware, the smallest state in the union, or whether Weiss, David Weiss, was allowed to go to the District of Columbia allowed to go to Los Angeles, to Ukraine, to China, to follow the money. And if he wasn't, the plea bargain should never be accepted. So she kind of delayed it. She said, until you two uh, clear this up, I'm not going to hear it. But one of the problems I thought she had was there was no adversarial uh, feeling between the two parties. You know, for our system to work, it has to be adversarial doesn't mean it needs to be nasty but adversarial one side is pushing for the law the other one is pushing for the client um and uh, they didn't have this they got into this deal together and they should have had a third party whether in the form of an uh, uh, you know an amicus brief a friend of the court brief somebody should have said we're there on behalf of the american people uh justice must not only be done it must seem to be done you know the bible um, in, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, instructs judges and says two things to them. Number one, don't take bribes. That's obvious. But that's the second. Mm-hmm. The first one is lo takir panim. That's the Hebrew for don't recognize faces. Don't do justice yes. based on who the person is. That's the origin Thank of the you. famous statue of justice with the blindfold. It's not Greek literature. It's the Bible that says, Be blindfolded. Don't look at race. Don't look at class. Don't look at gender. Don't look at politics. Don't even look at the person. Don't peek under the blindfold. Do justice based only on the law and the facts. It has to be the same justice administered to everybody. And that's a biblical command going back how many thousands of years? And the judge finally did that. Now, we are so lost. This actually gave a lot of people a lot of hope because uh, unlike CNN, I just assumed from the way things are always going now that it was going to go through and uh, it didn't. And that gave me a hope that, wait, there is yeah. some independence here. There are some people that understand the rule of law and gave me a great deal of hope. What does it mean going forward? Well, I would say it gave me a little bit of hope. I think you have too much hope. I think she will ultimately okay. accept the deal. <laughs> she will eventually accept the deal with a few modifications. What they'll agree to is, no, he can't be prosecuted for any other crimes unless the evidence was not available now or he tried to suppress it or the crimes are very serious. But 
there'll be an agreement, and I think she'll accept the agreement. I don't think she should, but I think she will. She should call Garland. She should call Weiss, put them under oath, and say, look, Garland, you say he had the authority to investigate anywhere in the country, including District of Columbia and Los Angeles. He says, no, he was restricted to Delaware. Who is right? I have to know that before I accept the deal. That's what she should do. I suspect she won't do that. Why? I think she's I think she feels she's done what she has to do. She doesn't have a roving commission to do justice. She has to deal with what are called cases and controversies. And generally, judges just resolve disputes between the parties. But here, as you said, there are no disputes between the parties. The parties both agree that there should be a plea bargain of this kind, which, if it involves only these two crimes, is not a sweetheart deal. If you only were late in your taxes and didn't fill out a form properly for guns, yeah, that's the right sentence. But if they didn't investigate Burisma, if they didn't investigate right. what's going on in China, then it's not an appropriate plea bargain, and then it really is a sweetheart deal. So can I ask you, and I'm not asking you, I'm not asking for a legal thing, always innocent until proven guilty, I get. But right. I, I'm not saying that the president is guilty. I'm saying right. it looks really bad for the president. If I were just going on these facts, it has to be investigated Absolutely. properly, not some witch hunt. But this, the, the evidence that is out is a little overwhelming. It's much more than I think we had on, on Nixon. Um, it's a little overwhelming, and it's beyond Nixon to me. Nixon was a break a, a, a you know, break in. It was the cover up that was the real problem. Here we not only have a extensive cover up, uh, but we might also have taking money from foreign adversaries. This is really bad. It Am is, I reading this wrong? Say, no, you're reading the the evidence that's been offered correctly. What Correct. we don't know is whether it's true. You know, whistleblowers, just because they're whistleblowers, doesn't mean they're telling you. I know. And so the issue was Joe Biden sitting next to Hunter Biden uh, when he made that threatening extortionate uh, demand. We have to find that out. Was he on the phone uh, 10 times? Are there recordings? I mean, if I'm the prosecution, I don't tell the other side whether there are any recordings. Let them testify under oath without knowing whether there are recordings. That's the best way of getting the truth. If you don't know whether there's a recording, you're going to tell the truth. If you know there's no recording, well, you know, you can remember things in an innocent way. You can't do that if you believe there's a recording. And I don't know whether there's a recording. And I don't know whether or not they think there's a recording uh, on the Biden side. But there's a lot of investigation that has to be done. Would you agree that we are at least, I mean, the New York Times and CNN and everybody else still saying there's nothing here. Why, why are we even talking about this? I, I maybe maybe you're right. I was like this with Donald Trump. I was willing to investigate. I want to know what happened. Um, I want a real invest, a real investigation there. You would agree that the New York Times and all those guys are wrong by saying there's nothing here. Yeah, except there's nothing new about that. Uh, the New York Times and CNN yeah. <laughs> on these issues have okay, right. been wrong from the 
from the very beginning. Look, okay. there's one word to generalize about most Americans, Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives, Christians, Jews, Muslims. It's skepticism. Prove it. Show Correct. me. I'm not sure. That's the American way. We don't accept things because somebody said it, whether it's because the president of the United States said it or a whistleblower said it. Show me the facts. What we need okay. is a special counsel appointed, and it has to be appointed with the coordination of Republicans and Democrats alike. It has to be somebody who is above reproach, perhaps a former Supreme Court justice, a former president of a university, uh, somebody who can really look into this, who doesn't care, has no horse in the race, doesn't have an interest in a particular outcome. And that's what we haven't had up to now. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. More on the impeachment of Joe Biden and what happened yesterday with his son, Hunter, from Representative Greg Stubbe from Florida. We do that coming up in in just a second. Stand by first. I want to take you back to January 6th and the police officer that was uh, was brutally beaten. In fact, here are a couple of interviews with him right after January 6th. I got hurt. I got hurt. I would do it again if I have to. It's my job. It was very scary because I I thought I was going to lose my life when I came in. She wanted to hug me. And I told her no. Because I was covered. I was covered in pepper spray. My hands were bleeding still. And I even, I couldn't even sleep because I went, took a shower and instead of helping, that re-inflamed the chemicals. It did soak through your clothes? Yes. Took a bath of milk. That ain't help. Mm. Wow. Here's another cut. I too was being crushed by the rioters. I could feel my, myself losing oxygen and recall thinking to myself, this is how I'm going to die, defending this entrance. Stop. I, whew, uh, that is um, pretty hard to hear. Pretty hard to hear. Now, Julie Kelly is a journalist, and um, she's been given analysis and commentary related to the weaponization of the U.S. Department of Justice. She writes on the Substack, Declassified with Julie Kelly. She also is uh, giving us some really unique looks at January 6th and the pending criminal indictments of Donald Trump. And Julie has uh, just tweeted out earlier this week that that story doesn't seem to fit. Do I have that right, Julie? You do have that right, Glenn, and thank you so much for having me on and, and sharing my work. Sure. Um, so Officer Aquilino Ganell, who you heard there, his sob story, has been one of what I call January 6th celebrity cops. So he was one of four police officers, security guards, um, who testified during the very first January 6th select committee televised hearing. The idea of that hearing was to make it sound like Trump supporters tried to kill police officers that day. And Ganell mm-hmm. has been now for two and a half years telling his sob story, his near-death experience, that he almost died. 
injuries to his head, his hands, his shoulder, that his foot was crushed. Well, footage that was obtained by Joe Hanneman at Epic Times, I have to credit him, when I was looking at his coverage of what happened, actually happened to Roseanne Boylan, the first person who popped up, in my view, was Officer Gannell. And so I, I zoomed in. It's like, well, I can't believe this is him. And there he is for seven minutes, as I have in my piece and on Twitter, walking around, no indication of any injury, no sign of pain. He's actually kicking things aside with his feet. His hands are visible. There's no bleeding. There's no abrasions on his hands. Uh, His shoulders, both shoulders are mobile. He's taking off gear. He's bending up and down. He's moving things around. Uh, He's putting on uh, a surgical face mask. Um, No apparent signs of pain or injury for seven minutes. But yet here he has been a key figure in promoting the idea that police were almost killed on January 6th and that he was so grievously injured, Glenn, that he had to take medical leave for at least a year um, and then only went back to partial duty due to his injuries and surgery he claimed mm. that he had because of those injuries. What else do you know about him, Julie? Um, I don't know much. I know he is a veteran. I know he's an immigrant, I believe, from maybe the Dominican Republic. Um, that's really all that I know. But, Glenn, I also want to underscore his words and his his claims are not without consequence. He has been a government witness in trials of January 6th defendants where he's taken the stand under oath and talked about his injuries that he suffered. He has filed victim impact statements and sentencing mm-hmm. hearings for January 6th defendants talking about these serious injuries that were inflicted by Trump supporters. And he specifically says Trump supporters. He does not say protesters, rioters. Trump supporters. This has helped judges in, uh, impose very long, harsh sentences against January 6th defendants. And in fact, in fact, when one federal judge, Trevor McFadden, specifically called out Officer Gannell in his testimony in one trial and said that his testimony about his injuries were not credible and that he did not believe when Officer Gannell said he had been beaten with a stolen baton. So it's not just that he's talking on, you know, CNN, Jake Tapper, or he's posting this garbage on Twitter. He is he has said these things under oath, uh, as I said, with with dire consequences for defendants. Do you know, because I know you've been following all of the cases and I would assume, you know, some of the attorneys um, just by following it. Are they looking into uh retrying their their cases i mean this is information that the government had and didn't release that seems like a miscarriage of justice so well said glenn and this has been a criticism of defendants now for more than two years that this department of justice and capitol police by the way have designated all of this footage as highly sensitive government material all of it has been under strict protective orders in court And the government is really only turning over footage to defendants that is case specific. So say in the case of Pat Pat McCoy, where Gannell testified, they only saw footage of the defendant, uh, the security Mm -hmm. video of that particular defendant. They didn't turn over or produce 
the video of Officer Gunnell. And this is only what we've one clip that we've seen. I'm sure there's other footage of him walking through the Capitol. And keep in mind, this is around five o'clock that day. This isn't before the violence between protesters and police began. This is after it ended. So it's not like he went back to another area of the Capitol and got beaten up by protesters. The building had been evacuated. The grounds were being evacuated. Um, So, yes, I believe that the two defendants where um, Officer Gunnell testified and filed victim impact statements, they are on appeal. So I'm sure that this footage will be part of their appeal um, as to what the government was hiding, not just from defense, not just from the public, but from defendants and their attorneys. Right. So the um, you're you're following uh, greatly the weaponization of uh, of the government um, hearings that are going on. Do you believe that those move forward uh, into anything of significance? I'm not sure, Glenn. I was really hoping that there would be a separate January 6th committee. And we really need one for two reasons. To expose all of the lies and falsehoods that were promoted by the first select committee. And also to tell the American people the truth. To show them this video. I mean, I post this on Twitter and Truth Social. And I post it, obviously, in my work. And and thanks to interviews like this, it's reaching a broader audience. But they need televised hearings. They need to fight back with what the January 6th Select Committee, because this is the crux of the weaponization of the Department of Justice and this administration. This January 6th is ground zero for turning the war on terror that once was against ISIS and Al-Qaeda against conservatives, Republicans, Trump supporters. So you can't talk about weaponizing government without fully exposing the truth about January 6th, what the Department of Justice is doing, concealing evidence, the lies that the Congress has told to the American people, and how the FBI is using its counterterrorism unit to continue, even this week, Glenn, two and a half years later, arrest people related to even minimal participation in the events of January 6th. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, Julie, I I think you could make a case that this is even more important than the Hunter and Joe Biden selling their uh, country out for, well, their fellow countrymen. I think they got 30 cents ahead for us. Um, Can you compare the two? Um, I guess, but I would argue that this is more important because everyone sort of knows nothing is really going to happen to Hunter Biden. I think it's extremely useful what James Comer and the Oversight Committee and, of course, the Ways and Means Committee and these courageous whistleblowers from the IRS and FBI are talking about uh, with these investigations. But January 6th is it's going to be a key issue in the 2024 presidential race, but it is still this. Department of Justice is still collecting victims. They're still collecting scalps. Um, And so there's no, it is is far, in my view, of course, far more important. The American people need to know what is happening, not just Department of Justice, but in this courthouse, which is where Donald Trump's lawyers are today, as Jack Smith is now preparing Mm. a multi-count felony criminal indictment against Donald Trump for January 6th and could rope in attorneys, White House officials, and maybe even a few Republican members of, of the House. 
This is crazy. Um, thank you so much for everything that you do. I appreciate that you have just zeroed in on this and uh, not let it go. Julie, thank you. Thanks for having me on, Glenn. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Pat Gray is uh, with us. And we were just talking uh, as we were getting ready for Greg Stubbe. I think, Pat, that there is hope that this is not going to end well for the Bidens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to be able to think that. I, I hope that's true. It's just hard to believe. <laughs> you know, it's hard to believe. Because no, I know they've gotten away with this stuff for so long. It's like okay, they're just they're bulletproof. Uh, there's there's a different set of standards yeah, for them not. than us. Listen to CNN last night. Here is the in front of the courthouse. Here's what they were saying. So the judge said that she could not accept the plea agreement as it was structured. Remember, there was a plea agreement where Hunter Biden would plead guilty to two tax misdemeanors and then a diversion on a felony gun charge. Well, the judge taking issue with both of them, saying that on the plea agreement related to the tax charges, she was saying that she this agreement as structured just had her as what she said, a rubber stamp. It did not allow her to weigh in on whether she thought that the plea was acceptable. She had questions about that and wants both sides to brief her on that. Also on the gun diversion, she questions about how that deal was structured because it inserted her in the process if hunter biden breached the terms of this agreement and the government had an issue that they wanted the judge to act as a neutral arbiter okay so so she goes on and on with this and there's so much more than that um it, she the judge said it looks like you two are cozy uh, and I've never seen a plea deal like this. And this washes him clean of everything. Is that your understanding? The Biden administration or the, the Biden lawyers said, uh, uh, yeah, that's our understanding. Uh, and Department of Defense or Department of uh, Justice said, no, no, I don't think so. So is anything going to happen? We have Representative uh, Greg Stubbe on with us now. He is a congressman from Florida, and he is one of the two that are really pushing to get the House to move to impeach Joe Biden. Hi, Greg. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. You bet. So um, what is the mood in Congress for these hearings and impeachment? Well, you started to see the speaker actually talk about this, which I think is a great move forward because a lot of us have been clamoring for impeachment for quite some time. But through these different investigations, all of this evidence now that is mounting evidence after evidence that Joe Biden was involved in the business deals with Hunter Biden, was receiving financial information, oversight committee did subpoenas on the financial information. We're waiting on some of that. But through some of that, we've been able to ascertain that it's like, 20 or $30 million that the Biden family has received through four actions that obviously at the time vice president, but some of these actions he's done while he's been president. Uh, Senator Grassley just released a form from the FBI that showed the $5 million payment related to the Ukraine and bereavement issue. Um, I think there's overwhelming nice. evidence, uh, having been a lawyer myself and been a prosecutor in the JAG Corps. So we're actually drafting our own impeachment resolution specifically on bribery crimes, corruption crimes, because in my opinion, there's overwhelming evidence of that now in the public sphere. And we're still doing these investigations. Uh, so there'll probably be more to follow. 
So, Greg, I am I'm with you. I think there is overwhelming uh, evidence um, The the Nixon uh, trials went, you know, through the first term into the second. All of the accusations happened in the first term. He was reelected. Nobody wanted to talk about impeachment. The Democrats brought the impeachment back up. And it was eventually the turning of some of those Democrats in the Senate that we're finally convinced, yeah, he did do this. Do, it, do you sense any kind of um, even softening of the other side on, yeah, I'm not going to say this out loud, but that looks bad. I don't, I, you know, you obviously don't see Democrats going on the news and, and saying that they think that the president should be impeached. But what you're seeing is, and this is kind of shocking to me, frankly, is the mainstream media is actually for the first time actually starting to report about these things they're starting to report about the Hunter Biden issues because it's such a pervasive issue now. And it is so evidence, evidentiary um, apparent that this was going on that they, they don't have a choice but to report about it. So that's actually putting Democrats in very difficult positions. Um, you've seen the plea deal, plea deal with Hunter Biden now fall apart. And that isn't about Hunter Biden. That's about the information that can come from all of that. If that goes to trial through discovery, of how Joe Biden's involved in that. You've heard the IRS whistleblowers testify directly. And these are the gentlemen who were part of the team that was investigating Hunter Biden and their foreign business dealings and all these tax issues that specifically said they had evidence that the big guy and Joe Biden was involved and wanted to issue subpoenas and warrants on information and the DOJ shut them down. So as this starts to open up and you get more and more facts and evidence, I don't see how you as a Democrat couldn't at least have an open mind to the fact that you have somebody who used his his position uh, to enrich himself and his family. Uh, I haven't heard any of any Democrats talk about that you know, publicly, but you can certainly see a softening, as you said, um, from some of the positions right. that they're taking and them trying to distance themselves from the administration on these issues. Do what is the ramification of impeachment? You know, Donald Trump was impeached twice. Um, but the last one was, I mean, I don't even think even anybody even noticed, uh, for the most part, except for the mainstream media. Um, what are the ramifications of you guys pushing this through without control of the Senate? Yeah, here's, here's the political reality that we currently live in. Even if we're able to pass an impeachment, uh, resolution on the house floor, it goes to the Senate and you need 60 votes. So that's why I think the way that House leadership and the Republican leadership of the different committees, there's like three different committees because there's so many crimes that are being investigated, have doing the investigation to get the evidence before the American people to be able to convince 60 senators that this happened. Here's the evidence that it happened. Here's the specific crimes that were committed uh, and the overwhelming evidence that there were crimes that were committed. And I think that will push members in the Senate to be like, look, we, regardless of party affiliation, you can't allow somebody to, to use their position to be bribed that is affecting national security, to be corrupted where they're getting financial benefit from being in office. So hopefully we will do a, a good enough job in the House laying all this evidence out before the American people and the senators, and they'll see when we preside our case, if we can get it past the House, that there were crimes that were committed, and there needs to be ramifications for that crime. I mean, the Democrats impeached Trump for a, a phone call to a foreign leader. And, and in my opinion, this goes way beyond Watergate of the, of the things that we have oh. evidence of now. 
I think this is the most dangerous corruption I have seen in an Oval Office. And, you know, I know the history of our country and Grant and everything else. And uh, this is the most dangerous because it is not just uh, a cover up. It's not a small crime. This is a high crime. If you are selling access to your office as vice president or president, that is a high crime. Plus, um, with that, you have all kinds of other things because he is has been able to cover this up. He has um, the Justice Department uh, part of this deal. Now, that goes to then all of the weaponization of government. I mean, this is huge and never ending. Yeah, I mean, you think about, you know, why would Merrick Garland uh, play defense in the Department of Defense Director Ray and the FBI by stalling and stonewalling all of these different investigations, all to protect Joe Biden and the things that have happened. I mean, some of these go back to 2014. Some of these go back to, I'm sure if you kept digging even more, probably when he was in the U.S. Senate. Um, and as you oh, get yeah. more facts and evidence, why would Merrick Garland, Director Ray, why would these other individuals put their um, lives on the line? And I wholeheartedly believe that both of them are obstructing the administration of justice by not allowing yes. the investigations to move forward the way they should be moving forward. I mean, if this was Trump or uh, myself or any other Republican member of Congress or any conservative, I'd have been in prison a long time ago if we would have committed these crimes. And so the, uh, the liability... And I would have been for it, Greg. I mean... Yeah, if you I mean, do this, I mean, I, I was open to listen to the case. You know, we did our own homework and I told my uh, my staff, I'm not looking to exonerate Donald Trump. I'm looking to find the truth, because if he did things that he wasn't supposed to, we have to stand for impeachment. The same thing. I, I we've looked into this with Biden and we have enough documents, I think, to impeach. Um, we've looked into it and it wasn't to get him out. It was let's find out what really happened here. And uh, you have to impeach. Otherwise, otherwise, you're not asking any honest questions in life. You're just looking for something to guarantee that things continue to roll your way. Yeah, and not just the impeachment, but just take it a step farther. The corruption of the money yes. that was paid by our number one national security threat to the safety and security of the American people, the Chinese Communist Party, was paying him off. And he is now the president, the commander in chief of the military, and he's making decisions based on the compromising, corrupt behavior that he has had in the past. And why did he let a spy balloon traverse over the entire United States before they shot it down after it had collected all the intel at nuclear sites, military bases? You have a corrupt president who, who we now have evidence that he has received money and his family has received money from the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, and it's affecting the national security of America. So you've got. Well, the wait a minute. Let's let's and then you've got that. You, you not only have that, you also have Ukraine. He was wildly oh, yeah. corrupt Ukraine, in Romaine. Ukraine. I mean, there's, there's, yep. Yeah. But we're sending billions of dollars and we're talking about going to war. He's compromised. What are we 100%. thinking? This is so dangerous. 100%. Greg, thank you. And, and thank you for standing up yep. for this. Go ahead. Uh, well, I would just say, and we in Congress, especially on the Republican side, have asked 
for information of where this money to Ukraine has gone, because there is no guardrails when the Democrats were in control of the hundred and I think it's $20 billion that we've sent to Ukraine mm-hmm. of where that money's going and the accountability of where that taxpayer dollars have gone. And you can't tell me that, that the Bidens or some other people or there's corrupt entities that are getting money on that on the back end when they're refusing to have of accountability as to where that money's being spent. Of course, of course. I, I bet you 30% of it, maybe 30% of it actually got to where it was supposed to go. Uh, Congressman Greg Stubbe, thank you so much. Repre- appreciate yeah, it. Time. Thank you. You bet. Greg Stubbe from Florida. Na, 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 na. You know, today is a great day to get a warranty. Actually, any day is a great day when you're not worrying about your appliances and home systems. That's what you get with an American Home Shield warranty. All the unexpected breakdowns like a leaky faucet or faulty water heater. They're not going to break the bank because covered repairs and replacements are all taken care of. Having reassurance is something to celebrate. Choose the plan that works for you and your budget. When a covered item in your home breaks, all you do is contact American Home Shield. Their trusted, qualified pros will fix or replace it based on the coverage limits in your agreement. When it comes to protecting your appliances and home systems, don't worry. Be warranty. Go to ahs.com slash Beck and save 20%. That's ahs.com slash Beck and get 20% off any plan. See ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer.